Hi everyone, I'm Casey and I'm Madeline and welcome to another episode of MNC Become MTs. So today we have a super cool guest speaker with us. Her name is Amber Parker and she will be talking to us about her music therapy journey, um, who she works with, and yeah, we're just going to be having a fun conversation with her today. Yeah. So Amber, tell us a little about yourself. Um, why you're here, how you got here. <laughs> okay. Anything interesting you want? It doesn't have to be anything music related, but just tell us a little about yourself. Okay, well, let's see. Um, well, I've been doing music since I was a little kid, and I went to undergrad for music and then did nothing with it for about, <laughs> oh, let's see, like seven years, six really? or seven years. Why? Wow. Um, well, I pursued music performance okay. and in college realized that I just didn't have the heart for performance at all. Um, and that was like my senior year, oh, so, my oh no! Um, which I mean, I knew I loved music and wanted to do something with music, mm -hmm. but just kind of got to the point. I was like, I am not a performer anymore. Mm -hmm. I just don't have, you know, the desire to go through all the cutthroat everything. It's, it's just not me. And so I was just like, you know what? It's okay. Um, music will come back up. I feel like, you know, like God's got a plan. It's all mm -hmm. going to be all right. Yeah. And, and that was what I said for a long time. <laughs> so seven years. So you yeah. graduated. And then what'd you do for those? Um, just odd jobs. I worked as a substitute teacher. Okay. I worked for a chiropractor at one point. <laughs> um, you know, just like been like a secretary office work mm -hmm. and then what it was Easter Sunday and my granny told me about this session her husband had been in the hospital mm -hmm. and he had signed her up for something called music therapy and she was like that is so stupid I'm not gonna do that <laughs> and he was like I've already signed you up and you're gonna go yeah and she was like and Amber it was the most relaxing day of my life it Aww. was just wonderful she tells me all about it so that night I went home and was Googling music therapy on my phone on the couch and told my husband, I was like, I think I need to look into this. And so that was Easter. And by June, I was enrolled at UK wow. to start music therapy. Nice. And I was, UK has an equivalency program. Mm -hmm. So it just piles on top of your music degree. So fortunately I didn't have to start college over. Yeah, so nice. I went for a year and a half to just get my wow. music therapy cred before I did my internship. Nice. And how is that different? So obviously this was seven years post graduate. So you're a little <laughs> older. How was it going to school with, I guess, like, like 17 year, 18 year olds? Um, it was pretty, actually it was pretty diverse. And since okay. it's an equivalency program, mm -hmm. everyone there already has a college degree. Oh, okay, so most okay. of them, most of my classmates were in their early twenties. Um, you know, they were right out of school or had, most of them had teaching degrees and had like gone and taught for about a year and been like, yeah. no, this isn't for me. and went back to music therapy. Um, that's pretty much all of our stories. Like, wow, that's so interesting. <laughs> I did this and was like, that's not for me. And then I discovered music therapy. Mm -hmm. So here I am. But actually there was, um, a gentleman in my program that was old enough that he actually went to school on scholarship for going back to school at his age. Wow, um, he never told me how old he was. He was like, but I'm one of the only people old enough to get scholarship. <laughs> wow. I didn't know um, that was a thing. Yeah, I didn't either until mm -hmm. he told me. Um, so actually it was a pretty broad range. Um, I think I was the only one there that was my age specifically, mm -hmm. but I mean, it was fine. And you know, in music therapy, you work with people who might, one of my supervisors in internship, 
is the same age as me, but she's been doing this for like five years. Wow. So, you, you know, it's just kind of accepting that knowledge can come at all ages mm -hmm. and someone younger than you might have way more knowledge and someone older than you might be new to this. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's a good thing because it just kind of helps you open up your mind to everyone has their part to contribute versus yeah. Yeah. always looking to someone that seems like they should be the leader mm -hmm. in that situation. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. Yeah, it mm -hmm. gives you a different perspective. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. So then you went to, you came here to Louisville Expressive Therapy yes. for your internship. <laughs> and how did you choose LAT? Oh, Why gosh. did you choose it? Why? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's actually a, a funny question because I actually was offered two internships. And I called my department head. I was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I wasn't I was expecting like, this you, much good yeah, news. I've but... sent two emails in the same day. Wow. So it wasn't wow. even like I had accepted one and had to tell somebody, oh, I've already accepted like two hours apart. Wow. <laughs> and so I was like, what do I do? How, how do you make that decision? Mm -hmm. And she said, you need to take a couple days and think about it and decide, you know, where do you feel like you have the best rapport with the staff there? and you know what populations you want to work with mm -hmm. which was a little bit of help not a ton because i like both places and mm -hmm. they both are, had pretty diverse work um but i always kind of felt like this was going to be my choice because i literally walked in the door and was like yes this is where i want to be because it's just yeah. so cozy yeah it is it's cozy and the walls are colorful and yeah. there's art all over the walls um i was just like this is a good place for me mm -hmm. and when even in my interview um you know i talked to them about how my piano skills were a bit lacking because i hadn't been in music school for a long time I went back and was like here learn some piano real fast mm -hmm. and so um so i hadn't played piano in quite a while and so they were like oh okay well let's just do some piano improv which was really funny because it's like oh okay so you don't have to do anything yeah technically but, but to me that was terrifying yeah yeah <laughs> But they, I mean, you know, the supervisors here, they just made me feel so relaxed and calm. And it was like therapy in an interview. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so that was, it was just the overall vibe here. And I was really excited about the chance to get to work with multiple different therapists. Mm -hmm. So that's why I chose to come here. Nice. Yeah. And can you tell us a little about your experience? So I know you did your internship through COVID, which yes. probably wasn't the most, uh, fun thing no it was not the best <laughs> um well because that was interesting on you know what was it march 13th when the u.s shut down basically mm -hmm. emily calls me and she's like we're just gonna suspend internship until further notice and how long were you in internship <laughs> already for at this um, point i had started in january so okay. it was just over two months Jeez. Um, okay. probably pretty wow. much right at the two month mark and it was funny because it was like right when we got to the point um where I had pretty much taken over everything. Mm -hmm. It was like really starting to get in the groove, the groove of it. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, and pause. Oh, <laughs> and we didn't come back until July. Wow. So, um, so for all that time, I might have started seeing a couple clients virtually during that time, but I spent most of that time researching, trying to get better at uh, guitar. I bought a keyboard so I could practice nice. piano. Um, so that was good for me to just have some time to work on my own skills. Mm -hmm. And so then when I came back, I was like, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> but coming back, it was kind of like starting over me and Haley, uh, my co-intern talked about it a lot. Um, and our staff was really, really supportive of that. Mm -hmm. Like, because we had, like you said, gotten into the groove of things and then we had to stop. And so it was 
we weren't starting over from scratch, but it almost felt that yeah. way. Um, but um, actually, that was when David, I think, started up the weekly intern practice thing mm -hmm. was to kind of help us start getting a little bit more confident in our skills. Mm -hmm. And that made a big difference. Just having yeah. an entirely safe space to screw everything up yeah. <laughs> and get some instruction and gain some confidence back. Yeah. Um, though it also was, I think, beneficial to, because, you know, the music therapists who were working during that time had their income relying on them figuring things out. I had the luxury sure. of just, Hey, go explore the technology, watch what other people are doing online. And, yeah. um, and you know, my income wasn't relying on that. My internship wasn't relying on that. Yeah. So, um, so I, I do think I was blessed in that I was at that point. And mm -hmm. also I was already in an internship versus looking for an internship. That's true. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, you guys got postponed mm -hmm. yeah. for a long time, a very long time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, Haley and I both talked about like we were kind of like in this sweet spot. Yeah. I mean, it sucked and it was very disorienting. Mm -hmm. But as far as the influence on everybody, I really feel like we were the lucky ones. Oh, yeah. So. Well, that's awesome. I wasn't really, I didn't really know what you were going to say because in my <laughs> mind, I was thinking you were going to be like, it was terrible. Like, burnout is real because, like, you probably went from a six month internship to what? Oh, like, my gosh, how long yes. did it take you to finish? Um, like a year? Almost a year. Wow. I finished wow. in October. So how was that? So yeah, you all had like a two month pause, but like you said before, before we started, you hate sitting and doing nothing. Like how, <laughs> how was it like not being able to do anything? And yes, you did research, but knowing that your internship is just at like a standstill. Um, it was frustrating and a little scary because you know, like I'm further along in my life too. Yeah. So it's like, I, you know, need to it definitely threw off our plans a little bit because, mm -hmm. you know, my husband and I were expecting for me to graduate at this time, start earning a little bit more income mm -hmm. at such and such time. And all of that was postponed by about six months because wow. of the pandemic and then finishing my internship yeah. on top of that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that was definitely frustrating. Um, but also, you know, I don't like sitting and doing nothing. Mm -hmm. um, Emily gave me a max number of hours that I could work for on non-clinical stuff mm -hmm. that was like some of my research and practice I was able to count as internship hours so it was like okay I'm not going far but I've at least like <laughs> shipped this tiny little bit off yeah, yeah um and then also I'm working on my master's in music therapy oh, so okay. I was actually enrolled in a couple classes at the time oh, which nice. gave me a little oh, bit more awesome. to do yeah um, and then my classes were over by the time we came back so also it was perfect basically yeah. <laughs> wow that's awesome um, so when I came back to internship I was pretty much able to just focus on mm -hmm. internship so oh, nice. that's good until the fall when the semester started yeah yeah it's like a blessing in disguise mm -hmm. but yeah it kind of timed out because originally I would have been doing finals mm -hmm. around the time my internship was ending oh geez so it because it spaced out that way it worked out a little bit better for me nice. mm -hmm. all right good yeah I really was just like yeah, up down. <laughs> yeah you got lucky so you said you got, do you have your master's now? Not yet. Okay. Um, I have one more class. It's like my clinical class where I take a practicum student around with me for clinical experience yeah. and kind of teach them. Um, and that, you know, gives me some more clinic experience mm -hmm. and the experience of leading somebody else in music therapy. So that will be in the fall. Mm -hmm. And then I have my thesis to finish. Oh, which <laughs> What's your thesis on? Um, if you're allowed to share. Oh, no, it's fine. 
Um, I'm going to be studying the influence of uh, music therapy interventions on the bond between mothers and infants. Oh, wow. Um, nice. So part of my research is going to be a, a, an overview of research that supports that early childhood bond helps with the development of social mm -hmm. skills later in life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So overall, the impact of if we do um, this, you know, directed music therapy interventions with um, parent slash caregiver and an infant um, early in life, mm -hmm. how that can possibly have a positive impact on their bond between their caregiver later in life, which also would mm -hmm. influence their overall social skills. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of trying to find ways to set people up from the beginning for yeah. success in the future. That's, wow, so, that's cool. so interesting. Yeah. So kind of going off of attachment theories with that. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. uh, yeah. The hope is to try to develop something that people could maybe do in a music therapy session, but that could be recreated at home. Hmm. Um, so that way, you know, it's something that, you know, mom and baby or dad and baby, whoever mm -hmm. can, can work on together. So that way it's not just a one hour a week. It's something constant. Cool. Would you be interested in like furthering that and like actually doing research to create something? Potentially. I am, I'm, my, my thesis is actually, you can do a thesis, like a research writing project, okay. project or a clinical project, okay. which it, count, it is a thesis project thing but it's more for clinical application, okay. which is what I'm doing. Gotcha. Okay. So the overall goal is eventually for us to actually create something that gets implemented. Oh, nice. Um, but thesis is the, how many S's are in that <laughs> way? <laughs> they transform as you're developing. So I'm in the very early stages of mm -hmm. development of mine. Mm -hmm. So we'll see where it lands eventually. Nice. But my hope is to actually apply that at some point and, you know, maybe potentially set up the grounds for somebody else to do something. Yeah. I don't know if I'm a researcher <laughs> at heart. I yeah. am more of a, a clinic person. I like to work with people and do things. The writing part of it, as much as I love writing, I'm like, who cares? Let's who just cares? do it. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I awesome. totally Good feel that. Good luck to you. <laughs> well, thank you. That's a lot of work. And how did you, why did you decide to get your master's? Because it's not required for us. Mm -hmm. And I know I've been thinking about my future mm -hmm. and thinking yeah. if I want to do that too. So I'm wondering what your thought process was um, on that. Well, you know, right. There's a potential always that eventually a master's might be required for MTBCs. Mm -hmm. um, well, it is in certain States like, um, yeah, up north. it is yeah, in certain States. In and in my area, because UK has a master's program, the majority of the music therapists have masters. Gotcha. Um, so in order to remain, competitive and be able to work at the same level that others are working. I felt that it was in my best interest to go ahead and pursue that. Mm -hmm. And then also because, um, I didn't complete a four year program, I thought it would be good for me just for my knowledge base to be in school a little while longer yeah. mm -hmm. to learn more about my profession in an actual scholastic setting. You know, mm -hmm. we have to do continuing education. Um, we have to submit so many hours every five years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but just to help continue building my psychology base and my music therapy base, um, to just extend my knowledge a little bit. Yeah. My learning process. Wow. Very cool. All right. So I'm going to turn the conversation a little bit. Okay. So you said you're not a researcher. You're more of a clinical yes. person. You like to be in, <laughs> in everything. Mm -hmm. Who do you like or what, like what population is your favorite? Mm -hmm. Would you say? That's actually a difficult question. I don't particularly have a favorite mm -hmm. necessarily. 
Um, I love working with all populations. I know some people have like certain ones are just like, that's really not my thing. Yeah. Um, and I thought that I had that until I came here and the few that I thought I really want to enjoy working with, I loved working with. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, but I do a lot of work with substance abuse recovery. Mm -hmm. Um, we kind of talked about that beforehand, but, um, I really feel very drawn to that population and populations that I feel like sometimes they're kind of disregarded by society um, because we don't understand their struggle or what they're going through. Mm -hmm. And so for people to not even open up their hearts, I feel like if people do, in general have good hearts, but when you don't understand something, it's hard to open up your mind to extending your love towards that person versus these other populations that seem maybe a little bit more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. um, Cause you know, when we see someone with a physical or a mental um, disability, we're like, Oh, you know, they can't help that. Um, and people, even though we do know that um, addiction is a disease or a mental condition, mm -hmm. it's, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to understand it. Yeah. And I don't think that our society is quite there. Mm -hmm. Um, and that population, um, when you go into recovery, you're making a decision every day that you're going to work on the darkest parts of yourself mm. and it's not, so <laughs> yeah, not everybody has to do that. We all have our own struggles. We all have things that we know no one to ever find out. And most of us have the luxury that no one ever is going mm -hmm. to. Um, people in recovery have to acknowledge the darkest parts of themselves and make it public. And everyone knows that about them. And it makes them very vulnerable. And the strength that it takes to do that is something that I personally can't even fathom um, or relate to. It's something I can admire the heck out of. And um, when I'm working with those people, I see so much more strength and vulnerability at the same time that you don't usually see working with um, people. And there's a lot of honesty in those groups. Mm. Um, it's, um, even honesty about their own dishonesty mm. to themselves and to the people that they love and the support that they have for one another Yeah, is amazing. It is. Um, and when we're working together on, you know, whatever our goals are that day, um, it's really incredible to see how exposed these people are willing to be to help themselves get better so that they can be the better version of themselves that they know is there that they're being prevented from because they have this condition. Wow. I really never thought of it that way, but like they are so strong. I can, on, I can never do that. How can you be that vulnerable with somebody? Yeah. That's, and that's the strength awesome. it takes to be there and put mm -hmm. themselves there yeah. too. Like the facility I'm going to yeah. today, they're not there um, they're there by choice. Mm -hmm. They can leave at any time and they choose to stay there every day and, and go awesome. through that every single day, all day. Yeah. 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 So it's really, really amazing. It is. And the people there are awesome too. Oh, we, yeah. The facility she's <laughs> talking about, we've been to, it is just such an amazing facility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Are there any other populations that you enjoy more than others? Um, or that you work with the most? Mm -hmm. Um, Right now, I'm actually working with uh, traumatic brain injury a lot, Ooh, okay. um, which I've only just started recently. Mm -hmm. um, and it's enjoyable because based off of where the injury is, how extensive it is, your goals are very different. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some people we might be working on 
um, emotional expression and giving them an outlet and trying to increase quality of life. Other people may have had certain skills that they lost because of an injury. Mm -hmm. And so we're working on trying to bring those back. Um, so it's a new challenge for me because it's in one building. It's like everything is different depending yeah. on which hour it is. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really enjoying that. Um, I love working with kids because that's when I get to be my wildest self. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I have to always kind of remember to like keep the volume down. <laughs> yeah. I was working in a school recently and um, we got very loud. We were jamming and having lots of fun. And a teacher came running because she thought something was wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's so um, funny. But I really love working with teenagers mm -hmm. and kind of for a similar reason. Um, they're in that awkward stage of between child and adult. Um, and they really are almost to the point maturity wise where they feel like they're adults, but their brains aren't fully developed like an adult. And so adults tend to treat them like adults who haven't figured out how to adult yet. And they're kind of downtrodden a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I've always worked with teenagers. My husband's a youth minister, so we work with teenagers oh, okay. all the time. And then in music therapy, I found that I love working with the teenagers still mm -hmm. um, and giving them, you know, an outlet and someone who's just willing to listen and let them be themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I did an intervention um, with a group of teenagers one time, and one of the kids had this song that he wanted to share, and he's like, but there's you know, swearing in it. And I was like, if this song is meaningful to you, I was like, you know, don't play the song just because it has swearing and you're trying mm -hmm. to be, you know, um, polite. Uh, well, yeah, like trying to stir something yeah. up or something. I was like, but if this is meaningful to you, I was like, this, this matters. I was like, you know, I'm not here to filter you. Mm -hmm. That's not why, what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. so, and that he looked really surprised and very excited to get to share his song. And I think it's important to be able to, like people be them, you know, we wouldn't tell an adult you can't play that song. Yeah. Um, and yes, people have reasons for putting the limitations on teenagers that they do definitely. But in a therapeutic setting, it's more important that that child or child teenager express themselves than um, as one client one time put it, um, I've got other things to work on myself than my language. Let me get to this point and then I will be happy to, stop speaking that way but I have this thing that I need to work on first wow and it's very important to prioritize yeah what mm -hmm. you need to address in yourself mm -hmm. some mm -hmm. things that seem big to one person is just not the biggest thing in your life right now and I yeah. think it's important to remember that yeah that's so interesting because I actually work with an adolescent um group at the uh, mental hospital that we work at and I went through that same kind of trying to figure out, should I have cursing in my sessions or mm -hmm. not? And I feel like I'm still trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. But that's a really interesting perspective that I hadn't heard before. So I understand that struggle, too. And it's it can be difficult um, in a group, too, mm -hmm. because, you know, what's expressive for one person could be triggering for another. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so in general usually if I put a restriction on an adolescent group, it's usually if, if the language is overly provocative in a violent or yeah. graphic way, yeah. 
Um, and that's what I've kind of come to yeah. with, the, with that session. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of what I had to come to because, I mean, I personally do not swear. That's just in my value system. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to, again, had to like, you know, check myself mm-hmm. <laughs> and be like, you know, I, I don't need to put my values onto somebody else who has something way bigger than language that they're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're in a group setting and it's going to be a big problem for someone, it is better, I think, in that situation to say, you know, we can't, we're not going to use that today. Um, but, you know, maybe, okay, why don't you tell us why that song is meaningful to you? Mm-hmm. Um, we can't listen to it at this point, but, um, but I do think, you know, and you know, I'm sure that's something you have to decide kind of in the moment. Yeah. Every definitely. time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like I have, there's a lot of um, Linkin Park songs that a lot of teenagers really relate to and connect to. Mm. Um, but the lead singer, I'm pretty sure it's Lincoln Park. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be so embarrassed if I say that. <laughs> That's not true. Um, but the lead singer of Lincoln Park committed suicide a few years ago. Oh, okay. Um, oh, and his band actually like made this big tribute and kind of like con- um, did some stuff about suicide awareness and everything and tried to give his death a lot of meaning. But a song that has a lot of meaning for some person could be triggering and encouraging to someone who's currently struggling with suicidal ideation. Yeah. So, you know, I, a lot of kids love Linkin Park and I love to use it because some of their songs have really meaningful lyrics, mm-hmm. um, that they can really connect to, but especially in a group setting, a lot of times I won't use Linkin Park for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I'm going to be super embarrassed <laughs> if it's not, <laughs> if I'm wrong about which band I'm talking about. Um, okay. Uh, it's Lincoln Park. Okay. <laughs> Check. So, but yes, I definitely get that. It's something we have to deal with. Mm-hmm. I really like how you also said you have to sometimes check yourself and not put your values on mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. That's something like I talk to my supervisor about. Like when a session goes bad, I'm just like, oh, like, why did it go bad? Like I did this, that. And she's like, it's not about you. And I was like... <laughs> You know what? You're right. Like, it's not about you. It's about the client. So it doesn't matter what you did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because chances are, like, you, me, did nothing wrong. It's just the client's experience. And you can't get upset that it didn't go the way you wanted because Mm -hmm. that was the way the client experienced it. And maybe in the moment, that was their best they can give. And you have to, Uh like, take any little victory. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And sometimes things go so awry. Mm-hmm. I did a song that's literally called Fear by Blue October with yeah. a group one time and was expecting us to talk about our fears. Yeah. Somehow it turned into support systems and being there for the people in your life. Like not like you being a support to someone else yeah. to, to the group. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how did we get here? How but, you know, we went with it and they yeah. had a great discussion. But, you know, like if I was still in school and I had gone in planning to talk about fear and, you know, I'd written out my big task analysis and like, this is what we're going to do. Like by the measurement of what I had planned, that session was a total failure. Yeah. But it was by the measurement of what the session was, it was completely successful for the client. Yes. Yeah. Just not for you. (laughs) Yeah. Not for me. (laughs) Not a little bit. Yeah. So we'll have a few minutes left. Do you have any like tips you want to share? So obviously like me and Madeline, we're almost done with internships. So what would um, any, I don't know, ideas, tips you'd give to somebody in our shoes or maybe somebody just mm-hmm. starting internship or just graduating? Yeah. Um, I definitely feel like 
when you graduate or when you go into your internship, there's like this pressure to know everything mm-hmm. um, or to not let on that you're like scared and it's like, what the <laughs> heck is happening? You're in the yeah. middle of a session and you're supposed to be talking about fear and they're talking about support. <laughs> <laughs> um, to, um, to be open and talking to your supervisors, even after you're done with internship, when you get hired with some on somewhere, um, being willing to have, you know, kind of that vulnerability, like we talked about, if I don't know everything and it's a hundred percent okay that I don't, um, Emily had me read a book called on being a therapist. And he talked about, you know, like how we've all been doing this for years and any therapist that says they know exactly what they're doing all the time is lying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, because you, you know, you know, we're, we're talking about in those group sessions, you can plan and plan and you can be like, these are going to be my guidelines and everything. And it might not be okay for where you are in that moment mm-hmm. for those clients. It's kind of one of the beauties of expressive therapy is that it's expressive and it grows and changes because it's art. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard a quote from a TV show forever ago that art's about, uh, it's not about perfection. It's about expression. And um, I think it's important to remember that, that we don't have to be perfect we don't have to hit every single objective that we planned for that day. Um, we need to be human in our sessions and allow for things to progress naturally mm-hmm. because that's the only way that our clients are really going to be able to experience their therapy naturally and in a human way and get to that vulnerable place. Because if we're overly clinical about it, I mean, it's not surgery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is not surgery. <laughs> So, you know, if we're, if we're like, oh, here's step by step by step, exactly how we're going to do this, people don't respond to that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was struggling with that in the first part of my internship of feeling like everything had to be perfect. Everything had to be, you know, dot by dot. And I had a conversation with Emily about how she's like, uh, and about being more real. Okay. We're not sure how this transition went, but we got cut off, but (laughs) we're back. Um, and Amber was in the middle of telling us about being herself with internships. So Emily mentioned you needed to read a certain book. Yes. Um, and the book talked about, um, you know, trusting yourself and allowing Mm -hmm. yourself to be real in a session. And I have a very kind of bubbly childish personality. They'd actually mentioned to me several times during internship that, um, when I was around the kids and teenagers, I was talking higher and they're like, so it kind of almost sounds like, you know, you're talking, like maybe talk to them. And I was like halfway through internship before I told Emily, that's how I talk. Oh no, no. <laughs> I was like, I'm lowering my voice when I talk to the adults because I don't want them to think that I'm like too immature to actually talk to. Wow. Um, because that was the way I perceived myself was that I was too giddy and bubbly and um, that I needed to be more serious and more professional. Mm-hmm. And Emily was like, no. <laughs> Wow. And she's like, Amber, we've known each other for months. I feel like this is the first real conversation we've had, uh, which kind of like was like a bonk over the head. I was like, okay, well, that's not good. Um, so she really encouraged me to allow myself to be myself in sessions with people. She's like, people, you know, they're more intuitive than, and they might not even be cognitively aware of it. But if I'm holding myself back, they're going to hold themselves back because neither of us are allowing ourselves to be more vulnerable in session. And so when I started just, you know, sitting cross-legged in my chair in session and just, you know, talking a ton, like I am on this podcast, (laughs) um, 
it was like someone flipped a switch during an internship. And it's funny, post-internship, I've talked a lot with my music therapy cohort, and most of us kind of all had that moment where we kind of let go and let ourselves be free in sessions. And, and stop trying and we, to be so perfect. Yes, exactly. <laughs> stop with the perfection. Yeah. Um, I've definitely had that. Yeah, I feel like that's where I'm at now. Like just yeah, the other day too. I was with a client. I had like my leg up on the chair, just like sitting uh -huh. so comfortably. I was like, you know what? Like this is okay. Like it feels yeah. just right. Mm -hmm. And it's like for me to sit up straight and proper in a chair is super uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And it's just. It's rigid and it's not real when you're asking someone else to, you know, again, talking about that darkness inside, when you're asking someone to expose that much of themselves, for me not to even let myself be who I really am in front of them, mm -hmm. it's not fair. Yeah. Really. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying that I have to like bear my soul to the client because again, therapy's not about me. And it can be easy to do that, to make it all about yourself. Um but to just let myself relax and be real with them and, you know, admit like, I have no clue what you're going through, mm -hmm. but tell me about it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's more than what they get from a lot of people. So yeah. allowing yourself to be real and vulner vulnerable to the point where people can just see who you are as a person. Um, that just made a huge difference for me. So, yeah. Um, so you asked for advice yeah. or for everybody is, let yourself be vulnerable to or to your supervisors, to your peers even. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, a lot of times you're actually going through similar things. Like it was really cool when I told David something I was struggling with. He was like, me too. And I was like, no, you're in charge. You're perfect, David. Yeah. And he was like, no, <laughs> don't tell me I said that. <laughs> um, but it was really cool when, when my supervisor started telling me about something they struggled with in session, I was like, oh, I was so like, just we all like have issues sometimes. Mm -hmm. So letting yourself be real with them and then letting yourself be yourself in, in session. Yeah. Um, you know, maintain a certain level of professionalism, obviously <laughs> you are the therapist, but, but you don't have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. It's impossible to be perfect. Exactly. So, so try. stop wasting yeah. your time on it. Yeah. Yeah. Montana said it folks. <laughs> Nobody is perfect. <laughs> All right, well, can you play us a song? Yeah, I'm gonna, or play, something. I'm gonna play that fear song that I was talking about. Um, just because I love this song, it's by Blue October. And I don't do it as amazing as he does, obviously, but that's okay, because I don't have to be perfect, right? And what were your goals of this song, um, of this intervention? This song, it talks about fears and not letting fears control you anymore. Mm -hmm. And you know, that can relate to so much. Um, not just anxiety or um, mental stuff, but you know, um, I've used it in recovery groups because they talk about their fear of going back to who they were, mm -hmm. their fear of what their life is going to be post recovery mm -hmm. because it's scary to be like, okay, now I have to go back out into this world and the world's kind of messy. Yeah. And I, you know, I might have made it that way for, my, for myself. Um, but it just, a lot of people can relate to it. So it can talk about, um, emotional expression, um, addressing new fears, and apparently addressing support. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Here awesome. we go. Let's hear it. All my life, been running from the pain in me, a feeling I don't understand, holding me down. 
So rain on me underwater all I am Getting harder, a heavy weight I carry around Today I don't have to fall apart I don't have to be afraid I don't have to let the damage consume me My shadow see through me Cause fear in itself will reel you in And spit you out over and over again Believe in yourself
you did performance and then I yeah. I hear some musical theater <laughs> yeah. your vibrato was amazing oh. <laughs> wow that I've never heard that song before that is mm-hmm. I could see why you would use that in your sessions yeah. that is such a powerful song <laughs> yeah a friend of mine told me about it I was like oh, music theory yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I know we kind of sprung this on you. (laughs) We really appreciate you coming. Yeah, this is awesome. Thanks for sharing your music with us and all your awesome thoughts. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. It was cool to get to do this. (laughs) All right, everyone. Well, thank you for joining us today. We will catch you all next week. Bye. Bye.